I'm excited to be a part of tonight and to share with you in this message we have been looking at over the past few Wednesdays, the Wednesdays, the book of Psalms. And what an interesting and powerful book Psalms is. Um, it's a book where we see some highs and lows and, and some, some what I would say is real faith. It's, it's a book about real life, you might say. It's not all just buttered up and Sundayed up, but it's Monday too. That's what we like about Psalms. And last week was one of the coolest services ever. I've just got to be honest. I think last week was what church should be like. And I loved seeing all the generations here. And I loved being a part of that. And so tonight I'm honored to be able to share with you. But Psalms is one of those books that it's really a book of praise songs. It's, it's songs about faith. It's songs about doubt. It's songs about fear, and maybe even confusion. And after all, isn't that real faith? If we're being honest tonight, isn't our faith full of some highs and full of some lows and full of some confusion? I'm just going to be honest tonight. I was really confused when I was younger about faith. I actually thought God's name was Andy. Andy walks with me, Andy talks with me, Andy tells me I'm as... I mean, I thought it was Andy. Then I learned the Lord's Prayer, right? We learned the Lord's Prayer when we were kids and I learned that his real name was Howard. Our Father which art in heaven, Howard be thy name, right? <laughs> the pastor said he was going to preach a message this coming Sunday on the seven names of God. I was really confused. I was confused. All jokes aside, there was one thing I was honestly confused about when I was little at my church. Growing up in this small church, we had a restroom in the back of the church that had a shower in it, all right? And I'm not sure what, what it was there for. I just distinctly remember the shower. And I, I know maybe it was there for, I don't an evangelist quarters. Maybe if they stayed the night, that's what the shower was there for. All I did know is that we had baby dedications at church and we had a baptistry for people to get baptized in. And I had heard that other churches even sprinkled babies. And so honest to God, I thought that when they had a baby, newborn baby in the church, and they came to church with the mother and she brought it there for the wedding or for the baby shower. I genuinely thought that's what the shower in the bathroom was for. I thought it was some weird church tradition where the mom and baby showered together. I mean, after all, why would you call it a baby shower? Why would there be a shower in the church? Why weren't any of the men there, right? I wasn't actually confused about the baby shower. I had that figured out. The confusion came when I heard the preacher announce there was a wedding shower. At that point, I got a little confused. I began to think, I don't know what's happening at a wedding shower, but at seven years old, I didn't want to be there. I really thought it was probably some kind of deterrent to keep all of us kids from getting married. Nobody wanted to go through the shower part, right, in front of the whole church. I figured that out eventually, but there were some things that were confusing. I genuinely thought, that God and the whole idea was made up by adults to keep us in the right path, to make us kids behave. You say, why would you think that? Well, Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy. Shall I go on? 
I, I just didn't know any better. There was some genuine confusion in my life. Thankfully, I got old enough to get past that and, and, and move past the confusion. The truth was, I just didn't know God for myself. But there were some things, even as I got older, that were still confusing. We were looking at Psalms. I got to be honest, Psalms 23 confused me. When I read Psalms 23 as a little one, I, I read it this way. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I thought that meant I wouldn't want him to be my shepherd. I really thought the rest of my life, I'm going to not want Jesus to be my shepherd and he's going to keep trying to shepherd me and I'm not going to want it. I'm not going to want his guidance. You say, why would you think that? Because the next part says he maketh me lie down in green pastures. At seven years old, I didn't want to be maketh to do anything, right? I didn't want God maketh in me do anything. I didn't want him to maketh me eat with my enemies as the verse goes on to say. I didn't want him to maketh me go through the valley of the shadow of death. You get what I'm saying? My cup runneth over just sound like a mess I was going to have to clean up and get in trouble for. I was genuinely confused. In our last series, we spoke on listening and obeying the Spirit. And in a sermon titled, A Tale of Two Sheep, if you were here for that, how many remember my story about Roscoe? My first show sheep, his, his name was Roscoe. And in that sermon, I, I really talked about how Roscoe and I didn't quite get along. We, we had a, a break in communication, you might say. He didn't listen to me because the truth was he didn't know my voice. The, the truth is tonight, you cannot recognize what you don't know. When I was a child, I was learning things and I was being taught things. But until I had a personal relationship with Christ Jesus, it was all just kind of things. It was all just religious. It was all just church stuff. It was all just mom stuff. It was not personal for me. You cannot recognize what you do not know. Somebody think, why can't I ever hear the voice of God? You don't recognize what you do not know. Well, Roscoe, if you remember from my story, worked out so well that the next year I decided to get three sheep for the stock show. Three sheep for the county show. Their names were, truthfully, Bo. Luke and Daisy, all right? I had Roscoe the year before. It's a Dukes of Hazard thing. It's just the way it was. Tonight, I thought it might be really cool to look at some of the other verses in Psalms that talk about sheep and see what God might be saying to us in a sermon I'm simply going to call A Tale of Lost Sheep. As I was reading through Psalms, I've enjoyed pastor preaching on them and, and teaching about them. Again, I enjoyed last week. But again, to really look at some specific things in Psalms and went through all the verses that, that deal specifically with sheep in the book of Psalms. And so I've, I've gathered five things tonight, five things that, that I believe Psalms tells us about sheep. The first thing that Psalms tells us about sheep is that sheep belong to the shepherd. Psalms tells us that we belong to the shepherd. If you read with me in Psalm 79 and 13, we'll read this. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pastor, will praise you forever from generation to generation. We will proclaim your praise. Psalm says we are the sheep of his pasture, the people. We are his. Psalms 103 says this. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us and we are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Psalms 95, seven says, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if ye will hear his voice. Here's what Psalms is saying to us. Ye and ye and ye, if you will hear his voice and ye too, you are the sheep 
of his pasture. You are the people. You belong to him. So Psalms can encourage us that we're God's, that he's on our side, that we belong to him. We know what a shepherd does. It takes care for the flock. It leads them. It guides them, but it protects them. So we know we belong to the shepherd. And that knowledge that we learn in Psalms and throughout Scripture should be encouraging in those difficult times Pastor mentioned earlier. Whether we come to church in a high or in a low, like Psalms tells us, whether we come on the mountaintop or down in the valley, we are God's regardless. We belong to Him regardless of what's going on. We belong to Him even when we don't want to. That's what sheep are. That's how the shepherd loves us. The second thing Psalm tells us is what happens when sheep stop listening to the shepherd's voice. Psalms 119.76 says, I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commands. Even though we belong to him, when we stop seeking his voice, when we stop listening to his voice, Psalms 119, 176 says, we have strayed like a lost sheep. You know why God calls us sheep? Because he loves us too much to call us stupid, right? We're sheep. But sometimes we are stupid. Sometimes we do really foolish things. When we stop listening to the voice of God, when we get out of the care and control of the shepherd, that's a tough word right there. We want God's care, right? We want God to lovingly care for us and caress us and kiss our boo-boos and make all the, the bad things go away. We want the care of God. We don't want the control of God. And here's the truth. You usually need the care of God because you got out of the control of God. And that's stupid. That's why we're sheep. We need God's care and his control in our lives. And when we stop listening to his voice, when we stop hearing him, we, as Psalms 119 said, are like sheep who have gone astray. Kind of like Roscoe, right? A wayward child, a lost sheep. The third thing Psalm tells us is what happens to sheep when they go astray. What happens to sheep when they stop listening to the voice of God and they find themselves away from him? Psalms 44 verse 11 says, you gave us up to be devoured like sheep and have scattered us among the nations. When we stop living under the care and control of God, when we stop being obedient to him, when we stop listening to the spirit, when we stop in the words of Pastor Kyle, walking in the spirit, right? When we stop doing that, we find ourselves astray. We find ourselves out of the fold. We find ourselves lost. Job says it this way. He says that God gives and God takes away, right? I know sometimes we see that control that we talked about earlier as a bad thing. I would rewrite Job this way and think it works. The Lord giveth and the Lord giveth. We've all heard the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, right? What about this? The Lord giveth and the Lord giveth because usually even when he taketh away, it is for our good. Even when he takes something from us, it is a gift. God is continually giving. Why? Because we are his sheep. Sometimes our trials are just God's way of bringing us back. Three years ago, I I went through a a situation in my life where I was away from God. I I was straying from him. I'd love to blame it on just, you know, addiction. I'd love to say, well, I can't help it. I'm an alcoholic, right? 
But the truth is I stopped listening to the voice of God, which put me away from him, which led me astray out of his care and control and susceptible to the enemy. Wiley Coyote, if we're talking about sheep, right? You've seen the cartoon. I was vulnerable. Out of God's care and control, I was astray. And here's the, here's the truth. God will allow you to make those decisions. Psalms tells us that he will allow you to be devoured. God will allow you to be eaten up. God will allow bad things to happen to you. God will allow your life to come crumbling down. We don't like to hear that part. Why would God allow bad things to happen? If something bad brings you to something good, then it was worth it. Here's what I believe. God will not allow anything to stand between you and him. And he will tear down that. We just sang a song. Break down the walls of all my religions. Shake up the ground of all my traditions. Sometimes when bad things happen to us, it is simply God shaking. It is simply God moving us back into the fold. It is simply God loving us. Because the truth is, even though God lets us go astray, even though he lets us be devoured like sheep, scatters us, he does not leave us. We are still his sheep. Psalms 44.1 says that it doesn't say that God stopped being our shepherd. It doesn't say we stopped being sheep. It just simply said there are consequences to our choices. And God will allow you to make those choices. And God will allow you to face those <coughs> consequences. Three years ago, I was there, man. I, was, I had made some choices, faced some consequences. I was in a bad place. God had allowed me to be there, but he didn't leave me there. And what I couldn't say three years ago, I can say today that I am thankful for what God brought me through. I am thankful for the ugly in my life because now I can look back and see the beauty in it. <clears throat> Sometimes we don't like what's going on. We don't like the struggles. We don't like the difficulties. We don't like the hard times. Hard times are often just God's way of getting our attention. It's just God's way of moving us to where he wants us. He doesn't leave us there. The fourth thing Psalms tells us is that the shepherd will then lead his sheep through their troubles. Psalm 78, 52 says this, but he brought his people out like a flock and he led the sheep even through the wilderness. So when we as sheep gone astray come to our senses and we turn back to the father, we look for the shepherd, guess what? Because we are his sheep and nothing can change that, no height, no depth, no principality, no power. Nothing can separate us from his love. Because of that, he begins to lead us out of that difficulty. Lead us out of that struggle. We are, as the flock, being led out and through the wilderness. God doesn't leave us there. Whatever struggle and situation you're in today, here's what this verse says. There's a way out. God already knows the way. That's the best part. It's not like God is walking with the sheep saying, uh, we'll get there sometime, you know, I just, just keep on coming. We'll finally show up just around the next corner. I hope, Jesus, I mean, get my back here, right? God already knows the way out of your trouble. He's already prepared the way for your trouble. He's already, as we just commemorated, paid for the way out of your trouble. We don't just take communion on Wednesday nights to remind us or to do it as as a sacerdotal, is that the right word? Sacerdotal duty. It's a fun word either way. 
We don't just do that for religious purposes. We do it to remind us that God has already paid for the way out of our struggles. He's paid for that. And if he's paid for it, guess what that means? There is a way out. And the fifth thing Psalms tells us <clears throat> is that when we follow God out of that, when God comes and rescues us, when God leads us out of the wilderness, when we reconnect with the shepherd, when we're back to being a part of the flock, the fifth thing Psalms tells us is what we must do to now stay with the shepherd. How do we stay there? Psalms 44 Verse 22 says this, yet for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. You say, Pastor Kelly, how do I get in there with God? How do I follow God? How do I, how do I surrender to him? How do I hear his voice and obey him? You know how you do that? By dying, that's how you. Scripture says that we have to consider ourselves as sheep to be slaughtered. We have no value except that to give our lives for Christ Jesus. We have no worth except that to give our lives for Christ Jesus. Scripture says it in other places this way, that we must die to ourselves, that we must decrease and he must Increase. You see, how we stay in line with God, how we stay in step with the shepherd, how we hear the voice of the Spirit is we die daily. We die to, to self. We die to will. We die all day long, every day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. I haven't talked much about Bo, Luke, or Daisy tonight, and I want to just share a little bit about them. I want to ask our musicians to come back, actually. Tonight, I want to give God a little time. You see, I, I understand this verse because something that happened in my life as a child really made it real to me. Three years ago, actually three years this Sunday, as I shared with Pastor, this past Sunday, Father's Day, was three years since I preached my very last sermon at the church I'd pastored for eight, nine years. Three years since after that sermon, I went to my board and resigned and told them I had been two nights before arrested for a DWI and that I had been secretly battling alcohol three years ago. And, and as those of you who've heard my story know that, that I came to this place, I came to this church and God began to do an incredible thing and he, he certainly began to restore me. But here's the truth, when you are astray, when you are being led through the wilderness and back to the fold, it doesn't always happen like that because it's a journey too. It is Psalms. It is full of highs and lows and ups and downs and fear and faith. It's real life. And three years ago, I didn't just have to stop drinking. That was the easy part. That wasn't easy, but my wife made it easier, all right? The state of Texas made it easier. But that was just one of the things I had to do. Matter of fact, that was just God's way of shaking me so that he could begin to bring me back to where he wanted me to be so I could begin to hear his voice again. Three years ago when I came into this church, I was broken, not because I had just been arrested and, sh and the shame and the guilt and found out. Three years ago, I was broken because I thought I'd never be in ministry again. 
I genuinely thought the last sermon I preached at my church would be the last time I'd ever preach. Who would ever want this guy? Who would ever want an alcoholic? Who would ever want a failure? I really thought God would be done with me. He'd be through with me. After all, I knew better. I can't blame it on anything, but I stopped listening to his voice. It was my fault because God made a way for me out of that. I just chose to be astray. And so I thought I'll never get back in ministry. I I lost some things. I I knew I didn't lose my family, so I wasn't worried about that. My wife and kids loved me. I had some people who forgave me, my church. they, They loved me. They forgave me. But there was something that I genuinely held on to. And to be honest with you tonight, it was more than God. My ministry was an idol for me. My sermons, my church. I was doing right things. I was just putting those right things in front of God, which makes them wrong things. Loving your husband is perfectly right until your husband becomes your idol and your God. And then something right becomes wrong. Loving your kids more than you do your God is loving your kids is good until they become more important to you than God. Loving your job and being committed to it is great until it becomes your idol, your provider, your source, your hope, your strength. You see, anything that you put in front of God, well, the shepherd's not having that because you are his sheep. You are his people. And so I had to lose some things, really. I had to lose some things. And that took me a while. It took me a while to be okay with losing those things. It took me more than a year to finally come to God and say, God, if I never preach again, which is what I think I was built to do, created to do, called to do, what you gifted me to do, and it's the one thing, it's my happy place, all right? This is my happy place. If I never do it again, you're enough. And when that happened, healing began to happen because I removed what was keeping me from the shepherd. How did I do that? I shared with you that I haven't talked much about my three other sheep. Bo and Luke, I had better success at the county fair with them. I spent a little more time with them. I still wasn't the master showman, you know, but learned some Roscoe lessons. Bo and Luke sold to the market the night of the fair and, and they take those sheep to be, mar- to be marketed, to be slaughtered really. Daisy did not, so we brought Daisy back home. Daisy actually sold to an individual in our community who bought her from us and then was going to take her to be slaughtered himself, right? So Daisy was my sheep, so when he comes to pick her up, I go out to the, to the, to the barn, show him where she is, I know the guy, and he comes in with this pickup and this flatbed trailer. Now, I know again, you guys are all city folks, but you know how you haul livestock, right? In a stock trailer, something with walls, right? He didn't have that. I thought, this is strange. And I was just in middle school probably, and he backed that trailer up and I helped him load Daisy up on this flatbed trailer with no walls, just wood panels there. And he laid her down on her side and I'm telling you the honest to I'm a God sheep truth, He strapped Daisy down to this flatbed trailer, tied her down so that she could not move. I helped him do it. I mean, he had paid for her, right? 
And as he drove away out of the gate of our pasture in middle school, God put an image into my mind that I have never forgot. And I was reminded of a verse that I had previously been confused about. One that says, we are considered as sheep for the slaughter. Daisy had no choice, no control, no say. My struggle coming out of my alcohol addiction was all because I still wanted a choice. I still wanted to say. I still wanted a voice. I still wanted dreams. I still wasn't really willing to count myself as nothing more than sheep for the slaughter. And until I could say that, God, here I am. I surrender. As we sang these songs earlier, here is where I lay it down, God. Until I came to that point and I said, God, my marriage, my kids, my ministry, my hopes, my dreams, my future, none of that matters. I just want to be a sheep strapped to a, 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 an altar, strapped to a, a, a flatbed trailer. I just want to be sacrificed. I just want what you want, God. Never forget the image of Daisy and how Psalms brings it to life that you and I's value is in our surrender to God's will. And the truth is, everything depends on that. We have to be willing to say, here I am, God, all of me. You see, when we give the altar and we call and we sign the I have decided wall, got lots of signatures over there. That's cool. Wonder how many we would have if it says, I have decided to be strapped down to a flatbed trailer and hauled off to the slaughterhouse. Somebody get the eraser out right now. Not me. No, we want the benefits. We want the care. We want God's love and forgiveness and grace and mercy. But God says, I want all of you. I want the good, I want the bad, I want the ugly, I want the right, I want the wrong, I want the things you're holding on to. I need you to make room. Stop singing it and start doing it. Make room. I want you to bow your heads with me tonight. Psalms tells us a lot of things and pastor's gonna bring an incredible message to close it up. But tonight, all I know is what Psalms tells me about sheep. It tells me that I am one, but I gotta hear his voice. I gotta stay with him. If I choose to go a different way, he's gonna let me make that choice. But he's got a plan to bring me back. But when I come back, it's gotta be all or nothing. I gotta be his. I gotta surrender. I gotta say, God, break down the walls of all my traditions. Shake up the ground, God, of all my religion. Change what you need to change. Take what you need to take. I'm yours. Tonight, I want to just simply ask this. If you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor Kelly? The truth is, I got some things I need to die to. I got some things I'm holding on to. There's some places in my life where I need to make room for God. I don't understand everything that God may ask of me. Here's the truth. God's not asking us to to go to the slaughterhouse. He's not even asking us to literally go to a cross. He did that so we wouldn't have to. What he's asking us is to be a surrendered, whole, complete vessel that he can use, that he can flow through, that he can love through, that he can heal through, that he can help through. And we can't do that till we die to self. 
So tonight, I'm just simply going to ask if you're here and you'd say, that's me. Would you just stand right where you are? I know that's bold. But you say, that's me. Thank you. Anybody else who'd say, that's me. I'm ready to die today. I'm ready to count myself as nothing for the cross. I'm ready to die to self. I'm ready to surrender to him. I'm going to pray, and if anybody else needs to do that, I'm simply going to ask you to stand as we're praying, and I'm going to believe tonight that as you lay it down, God's going to pick you up, and God's going to change. God's going to do some incredible things. God's going to move. Father, thank you tonight for the opportunity to share my story. God, three years ago, I never wanted to lay myself out to bear my soul, to surrender. I never wanted to stand up here and die to the shame and embarrassment, to my sin. But God, I know now that it is in doing that that I've found healing. It is in doing that that the shame and guilt are gone. I know now that you were just shaking up the walls of my tradition, my dreams, my hopes, my lives, my goals. God, I know you were just tearing down some idols. What you were doing, God, is just, you were becoming number one. You were assuming the role of shepherd again. And today I'm thankful for that. And God, tonight I'm thankful for what Psalms tells us. I'm thankful that it reminds us that we are yours. The sheep of your pastor, your people, and you are ours. And you speak to us if we'll listen. You lead us if we'll follow. God, if we'll surrender, then you'll take everything we have and make it something incredible. And for those who are standing tonight, God, that's my prayer. Tonight, they're making room. Tonight, God, they've recognized the shaking, the breaking. They've recognized your hand moving some things. They realize tonight, God, that maybe you're just calling them. They're hearing your voice tonight, God. They're laying themselves down. God, tonight, for those who are standing and for all of us who need to, God, we surrender all. I lay it down. This is the place, God. This is the night. This is the time. Here is where I lay it down. I'm yours. We love you tonight. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray.